Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Surprise! This market can still give us a sustained rally that doesn't peter out at the end of the session. What made this terrific move possible with the Dow surging 294 points, S&P climbing 0.82%, NASDAQ pole voting 1%. Let me walk you through the confluence of bullish events that allowed it to happen. First, I've been telling you that earnings will matter again, and they sure matter today. And what many may think is the fabulous prelude to the meat of earnings season. We got not one, not two, but three excellent meaningful numbers today. For example, BlackRock, the gigantic asset manager, reported an extraordinarily strong quarter, perhaps foreshadowing tomorrow's parade of bank earnings. I love the conference call because it cited all these negatives that they ran up against in the quarter, escalating trade tensions, inflation worries, a flattening yield curve, market volatility. Yet BlackRock still made a killing. That call gave lots of investors the conviction to buy, 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 buy the big financials before they report. I am telling you, it was an inspiration to purchase. We also got a positive number from Delta Airlines. Again, the company faced a huge headwind. The price of oil and principal cost increased by 20%. Yet it didn't matter because the company had higher average fares and more traffic. Plus, Delta was optimistic about the future given the recent tax cuts. The market often lives and dies by the transports, and you can't have a better sign of the health of the economy than this quarter from Delta. Travel, both personal and business, is strong, and that has positive implications for tons of different stocks, many of which were eagerly snapped up all day. Then, early this morning, Costco. Remember, it reports its monthly same-store sales. They were insanely stellar. Up 6.7%, excluding gasoline, uh, which is what you have to do. When Wall Street was only looking for, I mean, get this, they were only looking for 4.6%. Lately, we've been worried about retail sales because macro numbers we get from the government showed punk sales. I mean, honestly, I've got to tell you, I was getting nervous, and I think the economy is strong and the consumer's good. But fortunately, versus that commerce data, Costco's got one of the largest retailers in the country. I mean, they're huge. You know what? I'd rather trust their numbers than any government statistics, which made me feel terrific about the consumer. And, oh, the report couldn't have come at a better time because last night when I was leaving here, Bed Bath & Beyond reported earnings and then gave you a forecast that was just a horror show. It was dramatically below what everybody was looking for and what anyone expected. Now, I know that Bed Bath have a lot of they have a lot of irons in the fire to change their formats, but they are being crushed by Amazon. I just can't find much at my Bed Bath. 
that I can't buy on Amazon and then have delivered right to my house. What would make me actually want to go to Bed Bath and make a purchase? What, what would entice me? What would get me there? How about if the authorities don't catch the thief who keeps stealing all my Amazon boxes that get left on my doorstep while I'm at work? I am hopping mad, livid, livid about this. Three days of stealing now. If this keeps up for a month, uh, two months, then I'm going back to Bed Bath. I'm going to start buying the things I buy on Amazon Prime. Hmm, maybe that's why the stock was down about 20%. Second big positive today, the price of oil finally went down for a minute and nanosecond. In the last few days, we've had the worst leadership imaginable. It's been the oils, the big, the small, the gas, doesn't even matter. They've been the hottest stocks, and they're strictly zero-sum, meaning when they go up, everything else goes down. Now, there are times when we actually want to see oil go higher, say in the deflationary environment where we have no growth, the economy's outright shrinking. But, oh, but we got the opposite now. The economy's growing. Fed's tightening. And the last thing anyone wants to see is multiple rate hikes because we have cost push inflation done in by commodities. I've watched Chevron, Exxon, Occidental, Halliburton, Soar. Remember that thing we did with Bob Lang earlier this week off the charts, all those stocks going higher? And the whole way, I kept worrying if this harmful run would ever stop. So when oil spent much of the today's session in the red, Marco was able to catch his breath. That said, oil might still have more room to run. While the stock market was very strong today, it hit a retaining wall when MSNBC reported that the recent tragic deaths in Syria were indeed caused by chemical weapons. That makes it more likely that the U.S. government will intervene. And anything that causes tensions anywhere in the Middle East can send oil higher and cause the stock market to give back its beautiful gains that you might have seen today. Third positive force, instead of oil leadership, we welcome back some leaders that I, I thought they had taken a walk. They're still breathing. I'm talking about tech. With Mark Zuckerberg no longer in the hot seat on Capitol Hill, buyers return to the semiconductors, to the cloud king, software, so, social media. Except for Facebook. I think there was a concern that Congress would go after the big tech companies. You know, all of them because they've gotten so powerful. Nah, not this Congress. After today, though, I think buyers figured out that whatever Facebook's problems are, they're going to be, let's say, Facebook's alone. Facebook specific, we would call it. I watched certain semiconductor companies like Hawk. And the ones that moved today were incredibly encouraging. Micron, simple moo, a basic building semi, had its first really good day since it reported what a blockbuster number that nevertheless sent its stock into a sickening slide because it had run so much going into earnings. But now Micron's back up, up over 4% today. Excellent long-awaited news for the group. Intel acted better after being punished for no particular reason. Broadcom, symbol ABGO, tacked on 10 points after the closing, uh, the bell closed. Honestly, after it rang, boom, they announced a $12 billion buyback. Something I've been telling members of the ActionLearnsPlus.com club had to happen if this thing was ever going to go higher. And then NVIDIA, NVIDIA. Once the hottest of the hot finally rallied, shaking off endless calls that its earnings would collapse due to a slowdown in cryptocurrency mining powered by NVIDIA graphics cards. I think it's ridiculous to link this terrific company to any of the cryptocurrencies, especially Ethereum. But with the cryptocurrencies bouncing today, NVIDIA stocks surged higher. This is not what I want to see. I prefer NVIDIA to rally because of the data center or gaming or self-driving cars or machine learning. But after the way its stock has been blasted lately, I'll take anything I can get. Another key portion of the bull case, no explosive presidential tweets. We didn't see a threat to Russia, although that doesn't mean there won't be any retaliation for for whatever involvement Russia may have had in support of the Syrian regime that's made a habit of gassing its own people. 
We didn't get a tweet about an attack on the FBI or Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller, other than a rye post against the New York Times about what the president called fake reporting on how he wanted to fire Mueller in December. Oh, and by the way, there were no anti-Amazon tweets, so that stock tacked on 21 points. I'm telling you, that is just the best stock to own when the president doesn't tweet. The absence of fiery tweets is a real positive now for the stock market. Plus, President Trump was out on the stump. So, you know, I don't know the stuff he's like elected, but it doesn't matter, saying that Chinese trade talks are going well. And there were press reports that the president may actually be considering re-entering the Trans-Pacific Partnership, allowing for multilateral trading talks. Why does the market like that? Anything that makes it seem like Trump is not a total protectionist is considered good for worldwide commerce, especially when he's on record saying TPP is bad for America. Could a big shift be occurring? Hmm. Interesting uh, coincidence. Larry Kudlow is now the chief economic advisor of the president. Even the whiff of a possibility of trade cooperation with anyone was enough to send the industrials flying. They've been hampered by a belief that if we get too many tariffs, the group would collapse. Today they roared, led by Boeing and Caterpillar. Remember those two? Something that hasn't happened since Trump announced his steel and aluminum tariffs. A reversion to 2017? Sure felt like it. Bottom line, if we know one thing about 2018, it's that this market can't really get a full head of steam going without running into contrary data points. That said, days like today are a powerful reminder that good things can still happen and you need to stay the course. Dave in Illinois. Dave. Hey, Dr. Kramer. On a lighter note, I'm wondering if anybody in the Kramer household has advised your dogs, Bug and Everest, a.k.a. NVIDIA, that on the Chinese calendar, this is the year of the dog. I know. They're so stupid. I mean, no, I'm sorry. They're trying to figure out the calendar. They haven't really mastered the calendar. But you know what? Everest started answering to NVIDIA just when NVIDIA started getting hit. Is that dog dumb as a bag of hammers? What do you got for me, Dave? Fair enough. Jim, your viewers know that you've liked the stock in the past, but now all the more reason to like, I think. I'm talking about the CME Group, whose recent acquisition of UK-based fintech company NEX Group will give CME Group European reach and exposure into FX and Treasury markets. So, Jim, already the world's leader in futures markets, am I the fool chasing rainbows no, and unicorns? No, Dave, count me as a believer. Terry W. I'm going to give you another one. I'm going to throw in ice. I love these exchanges, and I think that you're in a great one. And thank you for remembering uh, Bug and NVIDIA's names. By the way, I renamed Bug Chevron during that run-up in oil. Chevron's doing better than NVIDIA. Ain't that something? Kurt in Wisconsin. Kurt! Booyaski, daddy, booyah. Wow, man, we got fired up callers tonight. I'm loving this show. Hit me. Congratulations to the Philadelphia Eagles. Congratulations to every Philadelphia team. I mean, it's unbelievable. I was watching, I snuck a Sixer game in last night, and I watched the Phillies in the 12th inning. And I kept telling my wife, all I'm doing is texting David Faber. Don't worry about it. It was all on my cell phone. How can I help? Sweet. Well, as a Packer fan, we have a relationship with Peterson, and Wentz plays like Favre, so that was good for us, too. Um, True. My question is, we're worried right now about a lot of things, a trade war, war with Russia, pulling out a NAFTA impeachment. I heard constitutional crisis today. With the strong fundamentals in the market, what is your take if none of this crazy stuff happens? Well, you saw today what the market looks like when there's no craziness. When sanity returns, which, of course, is not a given at all, we got a nice rally, which is why they stay the course, because sanity's been a... Sanity's part of the equation, even in my own little existence. 
Well, the Bulls really can put on a show, can't they? This is what it looks like when you have positive forces come together. It's not going to be here to stay, believe me. But you got to marvel when it happens, don't you? Man Money tonight. What worries over Syria or another Saturday night massacre could mean for your money? Then, for the past few years, there have been very few stocks better than a cat. But with shares of the company getting crushed lately, I'm going to dig in and tell you which play could be hot on its heels. And forget the fangs! I spotted a lesser-known tech name that could be worth owning. I suggest you stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Investing. It's all about dealing with uncertainty. But man, there are few things harder than trying to predict what this president will do. Will he intervene in Syria or not? Will he fire the special counsel or not? I know Trump tweeted today that if he wanted to fire Mueller in December, he would have just fired him. And he also said that missiles may or may not be launched against Syria anytime soon. Uh, But who knows, especially now that we've confirmed the Assad regime used poison gas on men, women and children not far from Damascus. So let's talk about what these two issues could mean for the stock market. First, the possibility of a special prosecutor firing, something that many still worry could happen this very weekend. To assess the potential impact, we need to go all the way back to October 20th of 1973, when then President Richard Nixon decided to fire the special prosecutor investigating Watergate. The prosecutor himself, Archibald Cox, like Mueller, was considered beyond reproach. Cox was a professor at Harvard Law and one of the keenest, most objective legal minds in the country, agreed to by everybody. One fateful Saturday night, Nixon reached out to the Attorney General of the United States of America, Elliot Richardson, and told him to fire Cox, as only the Attorney General, not the President, had the right to terminate a special prosecutor. Richardson refused and then resigned as did his number two, Williams, William Ruckelshaus. Finally, the number three in the department, Solicitor General Robert Bork, agreed to follow the president's orders. Why do we care? Because the so-called Saturday Night Massacre set off a terrible slide in the stock market, with the Dow plummeting 20% over the next few months. Of course, the firing of Cox also helped build a groundswell of support for Nixon's impeachment. Now, unlike Nixon, Trump's party has a majority in both houses of Congress, so it's hard to imagine him getting impeached, at least not while the GOP still controls the House. But if he proceeds with his own version of a Saturday Night Massacre, which seems like a real possibility if history dictates, it's certainly going to be bad news for the stock market. All right, how about Syria? The issue here is not Syria itself, which has been trapped in a devastating civil war for years. The issue is Russia, as there may be as many as 8,000 Russian advisors down there supporting the government of Bashar al-Assad, the guy who's made a habit of gassing his own people. First, it seemed like Trump wanted to retaliate. Now he sounds like certain, well, less certain either way. The fact that this is on the table, though, injects a whole new level of uncertainty into the stock market. But here's the thing. These problems have been dissected endlessly by every major and minor news media outlet. 
But worry, what worries me, though, is that this comes right before earnings season. When we, we care about the micro numbers, not the macro. The issue is the timing. Both of these potential events could cause interest rates to go down, part of a flight to quality, just when the banks need rates to go higher. And the banks start reporting tomorrow. And they're going to set the tone for earnings season. They always do. We should also expect oil to start spiking again, giving us higher gasoline prices and a headwind for oil users like the airlines or the cruise lines, both important to the transports and, yes, again, to the psychology of the market. Look, I don't want to sound callous or cavalier about the atrocities of the Assad regime. But then again, you know me. I'm a stock person. I'm not a political person. It's my job to try to figure out what events, what future events might impact the market and which way. And if Trump fires Mueller or gets into it with the Russians over Syria, the impact will be negative. Ultimately, what do you do if either of these things actually happens? They may seem obvious to people who pay close attention to the headlines, you and me. But believe me, obvious and predictable events can still cause stocks to get crushed. So what should you do after this run? I say if you haven't put any money to work during this volatile period, why not wait for a better entry point now? There are too many political issues in play. And I haven't even discussed the possibility of an escalation in the trade dispute with China. Remember, there are always people who are less clued in than you, okay, who don't know over the risk. And if any come to pass, you know what they're going to do? They are going to freak out and sell. And when that panic comes, that'll be your chance to buy. Until then, I'm urging bat on shoulder and patience. Much more made money ahead. With worries over a trade war causing Caterpillar stock to get slammed, I'm eyeing another play in the space that might be a better buy. Then big data player Talon is up more than 25% so far this year. I'm talking with the CEO to see if there's more in store. And customers of Sears and Kmart, Best Buy, Saks Fifth Avenue, Lord & Taylor, and Delta Airlines recently learned that hacks have exposed their personal data, including credit and debit card numbers. As cyber threats become the norm, I'm sitting down with a private company that's focused on keeping your information protected. So stick with Kramer. After a very nice day like today, it's important not to get too ahead of ourselves. Sure, we're not freaking out about intervention in Syria at the moment, at this very moment. But we still have China to worry about. As long as our trade dispute with the Chinese can escalate at any moment, and escalation absolutely remains on the table, then you need to be very cautious about owning the stocks of companies that do tons of business in the People's Republic. Companies like Caterpillar, which had a very nice bounce today, up 2.3%. I think you need to use this strength as a chance to swap out of CAD and swap into something similar that's immunized against any kind of tensions with the Chinese Communist Party. Earlier this week, it looked like the simmering trade war with China might be averted when President Xi, I really do think of him, by the way, as Chairman Xi, announced plans to open up the Chinese economy and generally make conciliatory noises on tariffs. But then today, some senior Chinese officials told us that they will unquestionably retaliate if our government does anything else to ratchet up the tensions, saying they have a detailed plan to hit us right where it hurts with more tariffs of their own. That was in response to my old partner, Larry Kudlow, who went on closing bell yesterday and let us know the U.S. may impose some tariffs before we start negotiating. Now, maybe this policy makes perfect sense. Maybe it's incredibly foolish. Uh, maybe it's justified. Maybe it's not. 
That's not my department. What matters is that is what all of this tension does to the stock market. And based on these latest developments, I think it's clearly too soon to declare that we are out of the woods on trade. Ever since Chairman Xi's conciliatory speech, stocks like Caterpillar have been rebounding nicely after getting absolutely eviscerated over the past few months. I say, wait a second, not so fast. Let's focus on Caterpillar because it's a very clear-cut example of what I'm talking about. I am a huge fan of Cat, the company. These guys spent years cutting costs and improving the business so they could make a fortune once the global economy picked up again. Those moves paid off big time. Economies around the world have come roaring back over the past couple of years, and Cat's stock caught up. It's caught fire. Get this. It's more than tripled from its lows of $56 in January of 2016 to its peak up. $173 $173 in January of this year when things were going so great. Cat's business is booming. But Caterpillar gets a ton of business from China. So when President Trump kicked off this dispute with the Chinese, the stock got slammed. Doesn't help that this all started with a tariff on imported steel, an important raw material for machinery maker like Cat. The stock pulled back all the way to 143 on Monday. But thanks to some real strength Tuesday and again today, it's rebounded to 150 bucks. Still, that's 23 points off its January highs. Makes sense. Even though Caterpillar's doing incredibly well here, it would be an obvious target for the Chinese retaliation. retaliation. And you don't want to have to deal with that if you're owning a stock. So what do you do? Well, I got a solution. I would actually say you should swap out a cat and swap into United Rentals. URI the big domestic machinery rental play. United Rentals gives you the same great earth-moving and construction equipment exposure that Caterpillar does without any of the China-related risk. Let's consider these two companies side by side. First, there's geography, which is a decisive factor. United Rentals gets 91.5% of its sales from the United States, with the other 8.5% coming from Canada. They could care less about a full-blown trade war with China. Caterpillar, though, is much more complicated. It gets less than 41% of its sales from the United States, with the rest coming from overseas. Now, it's true that only an estimated 5% of Cat's current sales come from China. But here's the thing. The Chinese market is a huge component of the company's long-term growth strategy. Think about where Caterpillar's growth comes from. For the last 12 months, the Asia-Pacific region has been growing at a 40 to 51% clip. Even with a synchronized global economic expansion, Asia remains Cat's fastest-growing region, and China is the heart of all that. After all, the equipment these guys make is essential for developing countries that are trying to build out modern infrastructure, modern cities. For years, this international exposure was a major boon for Caterpillar, as it could prop up the company while the North American market languished. But if we get into a trade war with China, it's going to hurt the numbers, especially if China manages to isolate us from our trading partners. That's clearly on the table as the president considers whether to join in, the, join the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership or create a coalition of the willing against China. Something is Chief Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow has been suggesting. That's a huge change, given that Trump is the reason why we didn't join the TPP in the first place. United Rentals, on the other hand, will do just fine unless Trump decides to tear up NAFTA. And even then, more than 91% of the business is safely secure. It's domestic. Second, even if we put the trade issue to the side, there are tons of reasons to prefer United Rentals on the merits. For example, it's exposed to a better mix of end markets than CAT, at least for the current environment. Half of their business comes from industrial non-construction rentals. Commercial construction accounts for 46%. Residential construction makes up uh, the remaining 4%. How about CAT? 
Only about 40% of its sales are construction-related, 50% coming from energy, transportation, natural resource-related industries. Think mining equipment. In short, United Rounds is all about industrial and commercial construction, two areas that we love when the business cycle is roaring, as it is now. It also has a sizable oil and gas infrastructure-related business, not banned with oil in the mid-60s. Caterpillar has a lot more exposure to commodities, and while commodities have been trending higher of late, these resource-related industries are much more boom and bust. When those industries drop off, they really drop off. That probably won't happen anytime soon, but United Rentals is much closer to a pure play on the resurgent U.S. economy, and that's what we like in Kramerica. Third and perhaps most important, it's much better to be in the equipment rental business than in the equipment manufacturing business where you sell the product. United Rentals has much stronger margins than CAP because they don't have the huge fixed costs that come from actually making stuff. They buy machinery, then they rent it out. Easy peasy. CAP's all about manufacturing and then selling big ticket items, which is inherently a lot more risky. Granted, Caterpillar will likely get a nice boost from the new tax code, which allows companies to immediately deduct spending on capital purchases. But United Rentals has a big catalyst, too. Last year, they made a couple of acquisitions, picking up NEF and NES rentals. Basically, they took out two competitors, which makes the competitive landscape a lot friendlier. That's why I think United Rentals is a better company for this moment in time. And its stock is more attractive, too. URI trades at just 12 times this year's earnings estimates. 12. Caterpillar sells for 16 times earnings. Now, Caterpillar can grow faster than URI, but its growth has more risk than China. Beyond that, it's absurd that United Rentals is this cheap. The company's got an 18% long-term growth rate. It would still be fairly inexpensive, even up 50% from here at 18 times earnings. Let me give you the bottom line on these two, okay? Caterpillar is a great stock to own in a world where everything's hunky-dory. But we're in a more challenging environment now. Even if the Chinese never slapped tariffs on Caterpillar's machinery, the very fact that they might be willing uh, to do so is enough to hold back this stock, at least until we get some kind of resolution to the trade dispute. And who knows how long that can take. That's why I think United Rentals is the better buy here. And it's why its stock has been behaving so much better than cats for the past few months. I bet it continues to perform better, which is why you should swap out a cat and into URI if you think that the president still wants to play hardball with the Chinese. Let's go to Jeff in Maine. Jeff! Greetings from Maine, and thank you, Jim, for all you do. Oh, man, you're the voice of Maine. How can I help? Listen, at the beginning of the week, Jim, you had an analyst on from, I believe, Morgan Stanley. The conversation started out with GM, but it quickly turned to Ford. Yeah, how about that, didn't it? Yeah. Unbelievable. He mentioned uh, with some internal corrections, if it cleaned up the balance sheet a little bit, uh, the stock could be in double digits. It's already in double digits with a P of six and a current ratio of 1.2. Where do you think Ford will be in the quarters to come? Well, let me give you a recipe for how Ford can get higher. It's got to get out of the markets it loses money in. It loses a lot of money in Latin America. There are countries that it doesn't do well. It's still got this world car strategy. They got to pull back. They got to be in the markets that are great, and they should be doing a lot, of, lot more business with the F-150. So my take is if Ford pulls back and just goes into the markets and has new iterations of cars because it really hasn't Fresh this lineup in a long time. Bye, bye, bye. 15 bucks. Matthew in South Carolina. Matthew. Hello, Mr. Kramer. I have an interest in buying shares of JD.com, which I've heard some compare to Amazon, but being a China stock, they have laws restricting foreign investors from buying certain sectors. 
so they used the VIE or variable right. entity structure to get around this. But in years to come, could the VIE structure become illegal and lose my investment in JD.com? Ma- Matthew, 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 uh, really, really. I mean, we have Amazon, okay? When the president tweets about how badly Amazon is fleecing or pantsing the U.S. Postal Service, which is not true, the stock will go down 50 points, and that's your chance to buy. I mean, the guy, the president is a one-man bargain-creating machine, and you got to take advantage of it. Lana in Kentucky. Lana. Yes, sir. This is Lana. Uh, I own McDermott stock. I'm a stockholder. We are being asked to vote yes on a merger with Chicago Bridge and Iron. If this goes through, uh, McDermott will go to a reverse stock split. If you were me, would you hold this stock? No, I, look, I don't really like either. It's time, you know, look, you got to skedaddle. There's really, uh, there's so many better companies right now out there. I don't, I, I want nothing to do with that, frankly. I've just got to be really candid. All right. Sure, we may have rallied, but it's never a good idea to get too comfortable. We still got China to worry about, and that's why I think it's time to swap out of one of my favorite companies, Caterpillar, for some URI. Much more we have money ahead, a big data player we've been highlighting since before it went public. I'm taking another look at talent. Then Mark Zuckerberg promised Facebook will hire 10,000 new security and content moderation employees this year. Wow, dead weight loss, huh? Can you help protect your data? Can they do it? Well, you know what? we got to worry about our own data. And that's why I'm talking to private cybersecurity player Citerix to see if it could offer some answers and solutions. Of course, in all your calls, rapid fire in tonight's edition of... The lightning round. So stick with Kramer. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Oh, was yeah. it the California room at the, at the hotel? Uh, that I don't know. At the, I remember the, the underlit bar. Oh, yeah, God, I the overlook. Who are those twins in the hall? I don't. <laughs> it all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. Many of the market's most beloved tech stocks suddenly became very controversial last month. But there's still plenty of technology names with very little hair on them. That's Wall Street speak for clean stories, because bold is beautiful in this business. Take Talent. That's a data integration software company. We know that businesses these days have access to tons and tons of data, maybe too much data after what we heard in those Facebook hearings. But making use of the data requires taking information from various different sources, collecting it under one platform where you can easily run it through all kinds of advanced analytics programs. That's what Talent is all about, making it easier for their customers to better harness their vast treasure troves of data. And this business is on fire. When the company reported in February delivered a nice beat, 36% revenue growth, even better, management gave some very bullish guidance. Talent stock has given us a nearly 60% gain since we last spoke to the CEO a year ago, and it's up 28% just for 2018. Can it keep climbing? Let's take a closer look with Mike Tukin. He's the CEO of Talent to get a sense of what his company's up to and where it's going. Mr. Tukin, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Have a seat. Okay, now, we have a lot of cloud companies on. We got a lot of companies that say that they have data analytics. Obviously, from the quarter you just had, you are pulling away from the competition. What are you doing right that everyone's excited about? You can think about what Talon does as being the first mile in helping companies use data. Okay. Right? A lot of companies focus on the last mile about analytics. Right. The first mile is what you talked about, pulling the data together, cleaning it up, and making it right. We do that, and we do that for the, the, all the new scenarios that customers are trying to figure out now. 
moving to the cloud, moving to big data, moving to real time. We do that the best. Okay, well, we have Red Hat on all the time, and I know that they help you move to the cloud. Uh, competitor, partner, how do things work? Partner. Partner. Yeah. Okay, so you would be in there helping to make it so that it would be more seamless? So here's an example. So um, Red Hat is really primarily in the infrastructure layer. Right. And so they have an offering called OpenShift, mm -hmm. which is their Kubernetes service. It's, it allows you to break up your application to a small set of containers. Okay. We can run in Kubernetes. And so any place where there is Red Hat OpenShift, we can run there. And so okay. therefore we partner together. They provide a place for us to run our application. Now, are, are you, uh, when you look at, at where you are, it's a niche business that you want to get bigger in. Is this one where smaller is good right now? Because there's some big guys that want to be, I mean, Dell is, it wants to be in this business. And we met with Informatica, and I think they're directly a competitor. I mean, is there room for everybody is what I'm saying. Well, the way we look at it is, there's a whole lot of people that are chasing yesterday's market. Informatica, IBM, Oracle, SAP, all of the big guys. Okay, and yesterday we got to define that because they're all going to call me and say, why did you let them say that? And, but, you know, really the, the, the problem that we're looking to solve is about solving where customers are going today and tomorrow. Okay. Right? There really are five big shifts that are driving the market that's really reinventing how people are using data. We bet on them four years ago. And that's about moving the big data, that's moving to the cloud, moving to real time, moving to self-service, and doing it all with machine so you learning. You work so with Amazon, with Azure, with, with uh, Google Cloud Services. Exactly. So if anyone wants to move to the cloud and have a multi-cloud kind of scenario, we do that better than anyone. Okay, uh, can you talk about uh, protection? I mean, for instance, this GDPR, everyone's talking about it, but you're obviously more informed than people from Congress. What does it mean? GDPR is a um, European data protection regulation. Mm -hmm. And the concept is that Everyone, every European citizen owns their own data. And so for anyone that's providing a service, like Facebook, right. in Europe, they actually don't own the data of the European citizens. So if a European citizen says, I want to see all the data that you have about me, um, they have to show it to them. And if they, want to, if they ask to have it deleted and have them forget about that citizen, a company like Facebook will have to do that for them. So it's a very tight regulation about how data is being used. And how can you help companies that have uh, where there's regulations with data? So for, we solve exactly that set of problems for companies in Europe. And so what we do is we allow them to pull together all the information they have about their customers in one place. Because what every company has is information about Jim Craner in like 10 different systems. Right, right, right. No, I can understand that. Right. So you got to pull it all together and say, because if a customer has, if by law you have to be able to say, show me everything about Jim Cramer, you have to be able to look in one place and find it all. So it's, we can do that for well, you. Well, this must be great business for you. Yeah, it's definitely been a bump. And it's, what's funny is we're seeing companies are really just now getting to the meat of their GDPR phase. And for a, um, a regulation that goes into force in one month, you think that this big push would have happened a year ago? Not really so much, but it is really in full stream right now. Well, you're very much in the sweet spot. I know that Mark Benioff, Salesforce, uh, bought a MuleSoft, which I does, I, I does some of the things that you do. So do you think you can stay independent? <laughs> I would, I would hope so. All right. Fair enough. Well put. Okay, that, that's Mike Tukin. He's the CEO of Talon, which is in the sweet spot right now for a lot of the issues that we're talking about in terms of data and the cloud. Man Bunny's back after the break.
And then Light Reservoir, are you ready, Skid? Daddy, time for the night round. I'm going to start with Michael in North Carolina. Michael. Booyah, Kramer. Booyah. First time caller. A few weeks ago, you met with the CEO of Salesforce, and he talked about what a great customer they were for them. So I wanted to get your thoughts on ABB. Uh, I'd rather be with Salesforce. I don't think you want to be with their customer. Let's go to Allen in Arizona. Allen. Hey, Jim, Alan from Phoenix. Uh, thanks for all your insight. Oh, you're welcome. The, uh, inline, the airline industry has been weak lately as the price of oil has risen and putting fear of higher fuel costs. But the sector trades well below the multiple of the S&P. Your thoughts on American Airlines? I think it's too cheap. I saw what Delta could do, and I think America's going to have a good quarter. I'll tell you what I think. Ah. How about we go to Joel in Pennsylvania? Joel. Hi, Jim. A big booyah to you. Yes, done your way. How can I help? Uh, I'd like to know your thoughts on Align Technology. I, I have not, I have not wavered on Invisalign's ah. product or the company that makes it. I say bye. How about Paul in Texas? Paul. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. My stock is O, Realty Income Corporation. Don't need it. it Don't need letter O. Don't need it. Don't need a real estate investment trust. I need to have income. I need to have growth. Doesn't have both. Jim in West Virginia. Jim. Booyah from West Virginia, Jim. Booyah. Hey, and thank you for the opportunity that your alerts, action alerts and your uh, charitable trust give us. Oh, I hope you like today's um, copy school. I had a lot of fun. How can I help? Okay. Um... My uh, stock is PG, Procter Gamble. Yeah, 3.7% yield. It's really gotten ridiculous. And let's see. Don't forget, Nelson Peltz is on the board. Can't wait to talk to him soon. I think that the situation has just gotten too low. Can I speak to Dale in Florida, please, Dale? Yeah, Jim, this is Dale in uh, Tarpon Springs. I'm a retiree from Buffalo, New York, and I just want to give you a Buffalo booyah first. I'll give you but, a, uh, Let me give you a shout-out to the B-Bouts from Buffalo. I'll be seeing you later this <laughs> evening. How can I help you? My question is United Bank shares. Being retired, they pay a nice dividend, but the stock kind of slow. It's been slowing down and just meandering there. Uh, uh, what do you're you recommend? fine. You're fine. I mean, it's not going to run away. I, it's going to be hostage now. The big banks do, and we're going to know that in about 24 hours. Dean in Texas. Dean. Yeah, my big East Texas booyah to you, and well, thank you, you for all I'm you do, sir. I'm a Natchez guy from way back. What's happening? You want to get your thoughts on IRBT. Last quarter was really bad, man. It was bad. I don't need you in that. That thing is just too hard to own. It's cost a lot of people a lot of money. Let's go to Mike in California. Mike. Booyah, Jim. Want to talk to you about Valiant Pharmaceuticals? I think think Joe Pop is doing a great job. I think he's doing a great job, but the pharmaceutical business has been challenged. People think that you know, maybe he's got to do more asset sales. I don't know. I'm with Joe here. I think I don't want to sell this stock at 16. I really don't. I know that's a controversial view, but I'm with Joe, and I always welcome him on the show because he's a jet. How about we get to Jack in Ohio? Jack. Jim, hey, uh, big you from Ohio. Thanks okay. For call. Okay. AD. Domanium Energy. Uh, and this thing is trading. We had Michael Mears on earlier this week from Magellan Midstream Partners. He talked about the problems that some of the uh, MLPs have. Dominion's caught up in an MLP. I got to tell you something. At 5%, I'm pulling the trigger right here, right now. Letter D. And that. Ladies and Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
trying to help you understand the major secular growth themes that you can keep returning to whenever the market gets slammed, which has been happening a lot lately, fortunately not today. And one of those big themes is cybersecurity, particularly of stored data. We now live in a world where corporate executives have no choice but to spend fortunes protecting their organizations from hackers. Failing to do so is a good way to get yourself fired. Just ask Rick Smith, former CEO of Equifax. Even handling data irresponsibly like Facebook did can get you in trouble. They get you killed right in front of Congress. Now, if you want to get your head around this kind of technology, sometimes it means checking in with privately held companies that are closer to the cutting edge. Companies like Six Terra, which was formed a year ago when a couple of private equity firms combined CenturyLink's data center portfolio with Medina Capital's security and analytics business. It's a great matchup. The idea is so simple that I often wonder why, why more companies aren't doing it. Six Terra combines fortified physical data centers with high-quality cybersecurity software, create an impenetrable barrier where companies can safely host their cloud infrastructure. So let's take a closer look with Manny Medina, the CEO of Six Terra. Learn more about his business model and what it means for the cybersecurity space. Mr. Medina, welcome to Man Money. Good to see you, Manny. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming to drop by for us. Thank you, Jim. If you don't mind, could you please tell us exactly, because we have a lot of companies that come on about cybersecurity. We also have a lot of, we have all the data center companies. You're assessing you're giving us the best of both worlds. Thank you, Jim. It's a great pleasure for me to be here today. I'm very excited to tell your viewers about Sixtera Technology. Sure. So Sixtera was founded uh, to serve a very big purpose in the marketplace today. As you read every day in the, in the media, all these breaches happen, right. and enterprises and government agencies are having a very difficult time securing their IT infrastructure. The primary reason for that is because their security defense is designed around a perimeter being built around their infrastructure, okay. right? And that simply doesn't work today. The vast majority of those enterprises and government agencies have today what is called a hybrid infrastructure. Right. right. In other words, part of their workload is in their own data centers. The other part is in a co-location facility. The other part is in a private cloud. They use multiple public clouds like AWS, Azure, et cetera. Mm -hmm. To further complicate matters, users are accessing that infrastructure from everywhere, from an airplane, from a Starbucks, right. from home. Right. So having a perimeter does not work anymore because where is the perimeter? The perimeter right. doesn't exist anymore, right? So what can you offer that is uh, more sophisticated than a lot of the other uh, cybersecurity companies that we know that protect that perimeter? So what happens today, in order for you to, to, to have that perimeter, you have to do it through software. You right. have to do what is called a software-defined perimeter right. around that infrastructure. What Sixtera has, we have a number of products and services to help you accomplish just that. We're very big believers in the physical data center. Mm -hmm. We believe that a robust uh, cybersecurity defense really starts with a physical security. At the end of the day, the cloud is not up in the sky. The cloud is in the, you know, in the right, data center right perfect, here. In, uh, I'm so glad you so said that because a lot of people, that's been the thing. Right, but right. it's not, right? No, I mean, no, it's right. in these data you centers. You can just go down to uh, Weehawken and you can, I can show you the cloud, right? So basically, that's exactly what happens. So you start with the physical data center security, right? right. And then we also have a number of cybersecurity products and analytics products to help you accomplish that security. The R flagship product is a protocol uh, it's a protocol AppGate, which is the most sophisticated and, and widely utilized software-defined perimeter product in the marketplace okay. today. Now, uh, we've had these real estate investment trusts, and, and they basically house data. Uh, look, if we a lot of these you go to them, they're owned by real estate investment trusts. They don't offer this, do they? No, they don't. And as a matter of fact, it's a very good point because, look, there's many, many providers that can build a physical, robust data center. Right. 
We're strong believers that in 2018, you have to have a cyber-resistant data center, right? And that's really what our biggest difference is, where you combine the cyber protection together with the physical protection. Now, did CenturyLink have this, or did you merge uh, when you bought CenturyLink? What, how did you make it more robust? So basically, CenturyLink uh, ran a number of data centers, mm -hmm. uh, which we acquired. We acquired the physical data centers. We had acquired a number of software companies uh, that have these products that I was describing to you about, the right. software-defined perimeter, uh, the machine learning products, and the analytics products that help then uh, put everything together and make that protection uh, robust. Now, this must be an incredible competitive advantage that you have both of them. I mean, what, if you only have one of them, you have to go buy the other. That, to me, seems like a, a recipe for failure. Well, absolutely. And what happens is that today, in that hybrid infrastructure, you need to use different uh, methods of protecting the different infrastructure. Right. One of the greatest advantages of our software-defined perimeter is that you, you use the same technology to protect your infrastructure regardless of where it resides. Okay, now just in the time left, how dangerous is the world right now versus even when I first met you a couple of years ago? Jim, the world is extremely dangerous. This is something that is not going to go away. It's going right. to get continuously worse and worse and worse. And basically, it's, it's, a, it's the eternal game of cops and robbers, but it's not going to stop anytime soon. Well, look, I'm glad that you're on the good guy side. I know that you have good... Uh, you came... You worked at Terramark, which was bought by Verizon. You've been in this game for a long time. I have been in this game for a long time, longer than I can remember, but I'm just, uh, I'm more excited today than I've ever been. It, actually, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the beginning of the cloud right. in 07. I mean, there's a whole transformation happening in security, and we are very, very glad to be right at the forefront of it. All right, well, now, Sixters, this is a private company that I hope goes public, because I think it has the edge of a lot of companies we talk to. That's Manny Medina. He's the chairman and CEO of Sixters Technology. Stick with Kramer. All right, the confusion begins tomorrow. We've got major banks all reporting at the same time. I want you to do this. I want you to actually listen to the conference calls before you pull the trigger because so many people lose so much money on the first day of earnings season that I'm here to tell you I can't let it happen again on my watch. I do like J.P. Morgan, but even I, I got to listen to it. I can't just say, hey, it's great. No go. Like I said, there's always a bull market. So I promise everybody, it's just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cameron, and I'll see you tomorrow. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day, clearly and concisely in context and with perspective, and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.